Just a reminder, this is a contest episode. At some point during the show, I will say a keyword or phrase. You will then have to go onto the Fantasy Football Fraternity Facebook page, private message us the keyword or phrase, and from there you will be entered into the drawing to win whatever the prize is for that show. Welcome to the episode, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to spend too much time on news and notes because we do have a long show ahead, including a contest for today. Uh, The only things I really want to go over are, I just want to say congratulations to the St. Louis Blues of the National Hockey League and the Toronto Raptors of the National Basketball Association on winning their respective titles, the first for each in team history. So congratulations goes out to you guys. I am glad to see that the Boston Bruins lost, being that I do like the Buffalo Sabres, and I'm glad to see somebody new in the NBA win, um, aside from Golden State. So congratulations to both your teams. If you are a fan of those teams, uh, celebrate hard. guys welcome back we have a great show for you guys tonight again keep listening listen for the whole show and we are at some point in the show going to have a secret key phrase so you can win that autograph Le'Veon bell poster with certificate of authenticity uh, so you have to listen we're not going to tell you when it is uh, but you'll know when it's time uh, our first subject today we're going to get into a couple holdouts adam why don't you take it over from here um mention some players that are holding out, and then we'll talk about our thoughts on on what we think about holdouts. Well, the main reason why I wanted to talk about this subject is that it's affecting my team greatly right now. Uh, Two of our main defensive stars, or you could arguably say two, you know, the two defensive stars on our team, Darius Slay and Damien Harris, they're both holding out. Um, As of now, they held out of uh, mandatory minicamp, and um, Darius Slay has won a record and basically said, uh, we'll see when he was asked if he's going to hold out in the actual training camp. So, um, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping that don't happen because that can really set back Detroit if either one of them or both aren't there to start the season. Uh, there's, there's been talks that uh, Jordavion Clowney, he's going to be potentially holding out. He didn't show up. Uh, and even a kicker <laughs> um, isn't, isn't going to, it doesn't plan on coming to uh, camp anytime soon. So, it kind of frustrates me. I think it, I really thought about it more now that actually is hitting my team more. I mean, I think if I'm not saying Ansel went through this, uh, but it was a minor thing. But having two year star guys, and I get it. You want to be paid as you feel like you should be. And Darius Slay and Damian Harris both have every right. And I'm not saying it just because they're Lions players. I'm saying because Darius Slay, you can argue he's a top five uh, corner in this league. Uh, if anybody mentions the top ten, he's basically guaranteed to be in it. Damian Harris is the best nose tackle, I think, in the league. He's one of the best tacklers we've ever seen from that position. And uh, my only problem with it, though, is they each have two years left on their contract. And I, for me personally, I believe if you're going to hold out, do it when you're in your last year of your contract. I mean, 
why do this now when you're two years away? <laughs> um, when you're a team like Detroit, who, you know, we feel like we're going to take a big step from what we were last year. Last year um, wasn't what we hoped for, and we added the pieces, drafted pieces that we feel that we can really challenge Chicago, challenge Minnesota, uh, you know, keep up with the NFC North, and, and even potentially win the first, uh, win our first uh, NFC North crown in like 20 some odd years and maybe even our first playoff win. Uh, it's, it, it bugs me. I mean, I see, I can understand Clowney for the most part. Cause I'm not mistaken. I do believe Clowney's on the franchise tag. So franchise tags a little bit, you know, a, something different. You want, you know, your longer deal where you're comfortable, especially if you like the place. I mean, you could argue and say that, you know, it's a good thing that they're holding out because that, that means they kind of want to be where they're at. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't be, you know, granted, it's 90% of it has to do with money, but it's all could be they feel comfortable in that scheme with that team, the players around them. But it's two years, I mean, it's it, it bugs me. I mean, you, we see some players even do it a little bit before two years. Some will do it in three years. I mean, there's just, there's no, for me, I, I get that it's for money, but for me, there's there's no reason to do it when you have multiple years left on your contract. I think it's a thing, uh, a deal that you need to do when you're in your last year, you your last year, um, you know, basically your contract year. I mean, we see it in hockey, uh, baseball, a little bit in 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 basketball. Uh, but contract years are huge, and it's I, I don't understand why. Especially guys that you look at Slay, you look at Harris. They've been so consistent over the years, and I I don't think they're in jeopardy of losing any more money if they waited until their last year of their deal to then like look. You know, I feel like I need to be paid. If not, then, uh, you know, I'm just – I'm not showing up. But they have multiple years, especially when we're a team that's trying to do something. I feel like it's more selfish than anything else. I agree with you to an extent. Um, I think that – I mean, th- the one side of me that doesn't agree or that agrees about them holding out is uh, they did sign these contracts. Um, so they definitely should honor these contracts. But at the same time – in some situations, and even we'll go with the Harrison situation, he he was traded for, he was brought over. So that contract, yeah, it's the same numbers and everything. He's still getting paid what he originally agreed to, uh, but it's with a different team. So he wants he wants more money and more longevity and more guaranteed money from his new team now. So I could definitely see why he's holding out. Slay, on the other hand, with two years left, uh, it's that's something where I, if I was him, I would play. I would play 2019 on my current contract and then try to get try to get an extension, try to get a raise after that. Um, when it comes down to one year left in the contract, though, I definitely I definitely agree that if if uh, you want to try to get that bigger contract, because the NFL is such a it's a hard hitting injury ridden sport that you want to be you want you have to have that protection. You got to be you got to be paid. Yeah, again, they did sign these contracts originally three, four, five years into the deal. And then all of a sudden you're down to the last year and it's like, okay, well now I need to protect myself for the next couple of years. I want to get paid right now. I want to be fully guaranteed or at least 80% guaranteed. That way, if I do suffer an injury, that's going to put me out. I want to make, I want to make sure that I'm protected. My family's protected. So that's my thoughts on it. I mean, I definitely get both sides of it. I'm obviously not a professional athlete, so I, I don't know what's i don't know the whole ins and outs and all the details of everything but um i can definitely see both arguments um and i'm willing to say that within like the last year yeah hold out if you need to get your money but more than that i mean you got to honor your contract 
Yeah, and especially when you're a team. I mean, we a team like you know Buffalo, Detroit, uh, even even Chicago last couple of years. It's teams that have been in the basement in their divisions, the basement of the league. When you feel like you know players and coaches and even fans feel like you're so close to achieving something, or at least taking a huge step for that goal, is it, it's it's a killer. I mean, you're you're not working as a full team now. Granted, you know the, you know these two guys. They could probably come in and show up, what two or three practices before week one starts, and you'll you wouldn't even suspect it, you know, that they missed any practice time. But it's just it. I, I feel like it it messes with the team, especially when you have new players, and it's like it, you need everybody to gel and to figure out, you know, what's right. And I, you can't do that when you don't have a full team. Exactly, Eric. You got any thoughts on this situation? <clears throat> Pretty much mirror what you say, Jerry. I. Uh... I, I understand from a player's perspective. I mean, these guys, even with two years left, if you've outplayed your contract, then there's something to be said about that. But I do also, I do agree that if you sign a contract for a certain amount of time and a certain amount of money, you should at least honor it up to the last year. I understand not wanting to play out your last year because, you know, you get hurt on that year, then, you know, you're, you're in jeopardy of losing a, a big contract the following year. But the second to last year, they'll still have their opportunity to come back their last year on the contract and, and show what they got. So I, that's pretty much where I'm at on it. I, uh, you know, this is these guys' money. Like you said, it's their future. It's their family. It's their money. So I don't, I don't have a whole lot to talk about it. It does suck when it's on your team and your guys are holding out. It's, it's, it's not, not good. So I get where Adam's coming from. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the biggest thing. It's I've I've never really had to deal with it for being on my team, um, so I really never really put too much thought into it. And I'll sit here and like I, I've had Le'Veon Bell in my fantasy teams before and keeper leagues and dynasty leagues, and and it kind of sucked when he wasn't showing up to camp. But I knew that at the in the end he was gonna, except for last year, that he was gonna yeah. be there and and perform for my fantasy team. So, um, but as as a Buffalo Bills fan, I don't. At least I can't recall off the top of my head like a major player that's held out or even if we've had any major holdouts. So it's never been something that I've really thought about too much. Yeah, you kinda gotta think about moving over to you know, looking at the C B A and stuff and all the all the um you know, stuff off the field and all the the basically the the contracts, and everything like if you look at basketball, I mean, we just had Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson both you know, hurt themselves in the finals. We had Clay Thompson, who's out till they're saying February or March, which is basically what eighty-five percent of the season. And we have Kevin Durant, who's going to be out the whole season, and they're still going to walk into the you know free agency in what two weeks and get max deals. Still, I mean, it just it just shows how you know kind of like and how NBA cares about their players compared to the NFL. I mean, and let's be honest, NFL is a more dangerous sport, but it seems like they're lacking um, protection in the CBA. I mean, granted, I don't know everything about it. You know, I'm sure we could find it somewhere eventually, but as of now, I, I don't know anything. It's just when players, you know, the, and a lot of it is, you know, Jerry mentioned, it's a lot of it is their, you know, the injury thing is what scares them and what wants them to get a more secure financial deal. Because we've seen with Ryan Sager, who thought Ryan Sager was going to get hurt and potentially not play football anymore. And if he does, you know, hopefully he does. But if he does, he's going to miss numerous years. I mean, it, it's rough. It's just, it's just It just goes how one sport kind of, you know, protects their players financially more than another. Well, it's definitely going to be something to monitor uh, over the next couple of weeks and months while we're getting into 
training camps and uh, getting ready for the regular season to start. So uh, hopefully they get either their deals done or they just decide to show up to camp and and because those are those would be two huge losses for your Lions there. And and I don't have a complete list in front of me of who is holding out or who plans to hold out. I know I've heard of Clowney, um, Slay, and Harrison. Outside of that, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's going to be more or, or more at least more to threaten. But uh, hopefully everything gets all figured out and, and these key players for their teams either get what they're looking for or uh, or they just show up. Uh, but let's move on to the main topic for today. A couple of weeks ago, I asked everybody on the fantasy page to send me a list of uh, sleepers, and we kind of built a team. We each built our own team of sleepers, minus the defense and kicker. I could actually go through everybody's here. I got uh, I got the rest of the pages here, but let's let's break down ours first, and then kind of go over kind of go over a couple other guys here and see your thoughts on them. So. Um, Eric, why don't we go to you first? Me and you both have the same quarterback. Um, let's break it down. Uh, why don't you go over your team and, and talk about like why uh, why you like them as your sleepers this year? Okay. Well, we both picked Jameis Winston. Um, I think he's going as the 13th or 14th quarterback off the board in ADP right now, and uh, he's you know had his ups and downs throughout his career so far, but he, uh, you know, he's they're bringing Bruce Arians over, and that's 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 the big reason for me. I'm I'm really high on him for that reason. I mean, I like his weapons. I like Evans. I like Godwin. I like Howard. I even like Bray in the red zone for him. He likes to target Bray. Um, I don't. I think the the running backs there are are fairly average, but Ronald Jones could break out a little bit and and create an even, you know, another element of the offense to be worried about. And uh, Bruce Arians likes to go deep. He likes to stretch the field. He likes, and that's what. That's what Jameis Winston's good at. That's the one thing, you know, Bruce Arians will take chances, tell Jameis throw the ball down the field, and, you know, maybe he throws 15 interceptions. But if he throws 35 touchdowns and 4,500 yards with those, we're all going to be happy as fantasy owners. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's a lot of what you said is the reason why I took him. I'm very high on him. I think we talked about him a little bit last week. Um, I, I love his weapons just like you. Yeah, he did lose Humphreys and he did lose Deshaun Jackson, uh, but he still has one of the best receivers of Mike Evans there. Uh, still has Godwin there. The run game hopefully is better. It really wasn't too much last year, and, and hopefully Ronald Jones is able to break out this year. Um, the defense that, that they have is not good at all, so they're going to give him every opportunity to put the ball into Winston's hands by getting scored on a lot and having to play from behind. So uh, that's one of the big reasons I, I'm i going to be all over him in this year's draft um, in, in a lot of my redrafts. And, again, I don't want to keep on beating a dead horse because we talked about him a lot last week. But, um, yeah, I mean, Winston is one of my top guys this week or this year, and we could we could get him late. I mean, he's going in double-digit rounds, so definitely got to keep your eye on. Uh, Adam, you had somebody different. Let's talk about your guy here. Yeah, I went with Derek Carr. Um I, you know, I think they did a lot to, you know, to turn the franchise around, but everything they did honestly benefits Derek Carr, Antonio Brown, who's, you know, as much as he's a diva, he's one of the top receivers in the game and signed the best or drafted the best running back in the draft in Josh Jacobs. And then someone that I'm going to mention earlier, they are later, they signed Terrell Williams away from the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, you know, I think those, you know, those two signings in that one draft pick, it's huge for him. I believe it's those are enough to, 
you know, have him flirt with QB1 numbers uh, at least most weeks. By no means Derek Carr is a bad quarterback. I think he he's had some bad luck. He he was never really surrounded enough with, uh, you know, you can say top-tier talent, and that changes now. I mean, if, if he fails this year, it's more on him than anything else. I mean, you have Antonio Brown. You have a run game. You have a reliable wide receiver who can stretch the field with Tyrell Williams. I mean, he set up for a beautiful fantasy season and, you know, you can get him in the double digit rounds, you know, potentially even close to the very end of your draft, if not off the waiver wire. And he could turn out to be a top 15 quarterback play. I mean, I'll take that, you know, all, all, all season. I mean, if I can find him in rounds 13, 14, and you know, I, I'll take him, I'll take him. I'll take the gamble. I think he can pay off huge. And I think, you know, this is, you know, they get, the management wants to turn everything around. Mike Mayock, um, Gruden, they want to be w- winners. And I think, you know, if, if they do turn into winners, that's going to, you know, it's all going to be because Derek Carr finally got weapons. And you can arguably say the, the most complete offense he's had. Yeah, no doubt about that. He's he's definitely another one that I am going to be keeping my eyes on in the uh, kind of in the same category as Winston. Uh, one of those guys, he does have a lot of weapons around him. Gruden is somewhat of a quarterback guru, so definitely going to try to see if he can get the most out of Carr. Um, the weapons are definitely there. He probably even has a better run game than what Tampa Bay does in Josh Jacobs. So, uh, and overall, I think he, I think he could have a really good breakout year here, or, or not breakout, but definitely a good fantasy year here. Uh, why don't you keep it rolling along with your uh, next guy, um, who happens to be a guy that Eric has as well. So uh, talk about Latavius Murray a little bit. Yeah, and, and we we each picked uh, two running backs, and the first running back I listed was Latavius Murray. I think Murray is going to be is going to be huge. We've seen him do well with Minnesota. And now he's even coming in to an offense which is very explosive. It's, you know, they can strike on the first play of a possession. And he's walking in there and he's going to fill the Mark Ingram role. And we've seen how good, you know, how Mark, how well Mark Ingram played when it was him and Kamara. I mean, that's a two-headed monster. They both bring two different elements. You know, Mark Ingram was the guy they wanted to pound the rock with. And... I tell you right now, it's he's a guy who could basically he's going to be an RB two, he's going to be a high RB two, and he's going to be someone that I guarantee it. When we're having a discussion about the players that help win championships at the end of this fantasy season, he's going to be one of the guys we talk about. I I don't he's he's set up for success. I mean, he doesn't have to carry the load. Uh, either the offensive line is better than Minnesota's, you know, so that just adds on more reasons why you should love him. And you know you still you can get him. I think he's going in the uh, he's going in the mid rounds if I'm not mistaken. And that's a fair value. I mean, you know, Mark Ingram had 138 rushes, and he was averaging 4.7 yards. He had six touchdowns. I mean, and you know, and Latavius, you know, it helps Latavius Murray a little bit more is he can catch too. I mean, I I think he's a little bit better in the pass game than what Mark Ingram is. So I mean, people in our leagues, he can finish as a very very high. RB2, uh, you know, and, and who knows? He could potentially flirt with with bottom line RB1 numbers. I mean, that might be a little bit of a reach or a little bit too high of expectation. I mean, it's very possible in an offense where you have Drew Brees as your quarterback, 
Michael Thomas as your wide receiver one and Elvin Kamara, who is one of the top fantasy picks. Eric, anything you want to add on uh, Murray? <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I love Murray. I love his situation. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm as high as Adam. I don't, I don't, I don't see him flirting that high with those numbers. But the one thing I like about Murray is I do see him. He could definitely flirt with top twenty-five. You know, as the season it depends on. You know, maybe he gets all the goal line work and ends up with ten touchdowns, and then yeah, he's in that top fifteen range, whatever. But he's also not only the short short yardage work guy, and I, I think that Kamara is going to get more of the workload than Ingram. You know, take some of the Ingram load, and then Latavius Murray. I could see him getting 150 touches, whatever. But if Kamara goes down, he's also one of the highest end, you know, handcuffs on top of being, you know, in itself a good asset. So I, I, I love Murray. I love where he's going. I mean, he's going as a 36th running back behind. He's going behind Kareem Hunt, which is, I mean, come on. I don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah, in redraft, I mean, I would definitely take Murray over Hunt. Uh, especially with Hunt missing the first eight games. Uh, just as reference, um, Ed, who's been on the show before, uh, once or twice he's taken, or his quarterback was Winston, and he also had Murray, so kind of on the same page as, as you so far, Eric. And then uh, a guy that hasn't been on the show yet, one of the one of the top guys, Agent Joe, he also took Winston and Murray. So uh, both of them kind of, kind of thinking like you, Eric. Um, a couple other people, I think – those are the only two that had Winston and actually those are the only two that had Murray too. So um, the other couple guys on here haven't really hit anybody that we hit yet. Uh, my guy, my first running back that I have on here is uh, Royce Freeman running back out of Denver. Um, I think that, I mean, we all know what Phil Lindsay did last year came in and as an undrafted free agent kind of just blew the fantasy world away, uh, blew the Denver Broncos away and, and just, Looks like he put a stranglehold on that job, but they did draft Royce Freeman um, last year, and he he didn't necessarily have a terrible year. He had basically what your what you would expect out of your running back too when your when your RB one is is putting up numbers like Phil Lindsay was doing. Uh, he still ended up with, I mean, the yardage wasn't really there, five hundred yards, but he ended up with five touchdowns. Um, caught a little bit out of the backfield really wasn't known for too much of his pass catching but I think he gets a lot more carries this year I think he's involved more into the offense this year um he's it's gonna it's not really gonna be a Philip Lindsay show it's gonna be more of an even split maybe not 50 50 but definitely um and we can already tell like we don't know what the offense is going to do exactly but just based on where Lindsay is getting drafted i mean any other any of the top running backs gets the production that that Lindsay was getting last year uh they're getting drafted in the first round and and i'm not seeing Phil Lindsay go anywhere near the first round so you kind of have an idea that Royce is going to be Royce is going to be getting some more uh some more of the workload there and and I definitely see it. I mean, I know I think his ADP right now is around the eighth round, which might be a little too steep for me, especially in in a running back by committee. I, I don't think he's he's quite up there with like uh, I, I think I'd take somebody like Latavius Murray over him, um, especially in New Orleans situation. But in the later rounds, I'd definitely give Freeman a chance and, and play him as a flex every once in a while because um, I definitely think he's going to have a better year this year. Yeah, Anybody yeah. have any thoughts on him? 
Yeah, well, the thing is, the reason why I love two quarterbacks for the Broncos is because they have Joe Flacco as a quarterback. And we see it basically every year, wherever Flacco, you know, or basically until this, but the whole time with the Ravens, they were a very run-heavy team. I mean, even when they had scrubs at running backs, you know, they they still ran the ball. And that because, you know, Flacco isn't really um, a dynamic passer by any means. I mean, he's more of the uh, – the game manager type who can, you know, he can make good throws and he can make, you know, some, some deep, deep balls look beautiful, but still it's there in that offense with Joe Flacco quarterback, there's enough touches to go around between, you know, to make both of them, you know, um, very viable options. And, you know, Royce Freeman can, he can definitely flirt with at least, you know, a flex play weekly. Yeah, definitely. Um, Eric, you got anything on, on Royce? Yeah, well, and <clears throat> Lindsey suffered, I think, a pretty serious wrist injury at the end of last year that he's still recovering from. He had surgery in the offseason, and I know he's not participating in anything right now, so that's something to be monitored, too. Maybe Freeman starts the year as the lead back. Who knows? I haven't really monitored that either. I'm not uh, – probably should have looked a little bit more into Lindsey. I just, I just know that he's not going where you would think that where you would think that he would go in in drafts this year. And obviously redrafts haven't really started too much yet. So who knows where he's going to go on redraft, but even dynasty leagues um, in, in our weird dynasty league that we have, he was taken first overall to a, a Broncos fan, but in general, um, I, I don't think he, he might've gone, he might've gone there, but um, that's just because of the kind of player that was available. The next guy I want to get into is uh my second running back that I have is Dante Foreman. I have been – he's only been in the league a couple of years now, but I've been a Dante Foreman truther since he came into the league. I've I've just been hoping for him. And I know Lamar Miller is your guy, Eric, but I've been hoping for Foreman to kind of take over take over that lead role <laughs> in Houston. And it just, it just hasn't happened. And last year he was pretty much out for the whole season. Uh, I think he appeared in one or two games. Um, didn't really do much in garbage time. Um, actually, I got his stats here now, and he didn't really do anything at all. He actually ran for negative one yard, and it was just not good. Um, but I, I, I think that if he's if he goes into the season healthy, he is going to be he's going to be used more. I think they really didn't do much in the running back department to kind of. Uh, kind of help him out so I mean they're pretty invested in Lamar Miller but I mean somebody to come in and kind of help him out um Foreman is is definitely he's a good player he just hasn't really been able to be on the field for Houston and it's this is one of those deep sleepers I, I think that I mean once he finally gets out there once he finally puts the pads on he can he can definitely make some noise in Houston it's just staying healthy that's the biggest thing yeah and I love that too because um Alfred Blue, who was uh, – if you take out Deshaun Watson in the rushing stats, Alfred, uh, Alfred Blue had 150 attempts, which was only 60 less than Lamar Miller. And he had 500 yards just about. He was at 499 and a pair of touchdowns, but he only averaged 3.3 yards a carry. And he's gone. He went to Jacksonville. So that's 150 carries that opened up for, uh, for Foreman. And – and I, I hope so too. I mean, he was a third. Remember, just two years ago, he was a third round draft pick. So you know that he could potentially be a third year breakout. He stays healthy. You got 150, you know, extra carries at your hand now that you're 
you know, the RB2 there, I mean, he can turn that into something because I believe he'll, he'll definitely average more than 3.3 yards a carry, which um, with, with, with blue average. So you could potentially be looking at, uh, you know, six, 700 yards. I, he should get, you know, he's 236 pounds. He should definitely uh, be like a goal line guy if healthy. And I could see, you know, a handful of, uh, handful of touchdowns. Yeah, hopefully he comes in and is a nice little change of pace back and he can stay healthy the whole year because, I mean, again, they have Lamar Miller, but he's he doesn't have many uh, much mileage left on him either. Um, maybe another couple of years and maybe not even with Houston. So they, they definitely got to find life after Lamar Miller and, and hopefully it could be Foreman. If not, they're going to be uh, – they're going to be looking for a guy there soon. So Foreman definitely needs to step up. Uh, Adam, I really like your next guy, but let's let's get Eric to talk about his first. Uh, and then and then we're going to spend some time on yours because I think that it's going to be – yours is probably my favorite guy out of this whole list. Yeah, he's a forgotten man. Well, yeah, my next guy is Rashad Penny. I believe that – I believe he's the better back of the two backs in Seattle with Chris Carson and him. Chris Carson, I know he came in. He's in great shape. And I think – He's going to have his role. He probably will demand more of the carries than Penny, but Penny will get most of the pass work. And I think with his explosive playability, he's going to be a really good, you know, a high-end kind of RB3, you know, flirting with those territories, maybe even a low-end RB2. And then, you know, Chris Carson, he, he he's a hard runner. He runs hard, so he always has the possibility to get injured. And then he all of a sudden becomes, like Latavius Murray, I said before, to, to Kamara, he's – He's a player that offers value in himself and then is also a very high-end handcuff. So he's the kind of guy I like to target late. Yeah, I like Rashad Penny. Um, let's not forget that he was also – he was drafted in the first round. And then Chris Carson last year is like, wait a second, guys, I'm still here. Um, let's not let's – not, uh, let's not hand the ball over to Rashad Penny – or, yeah, Rashad Penny just yet. Um, but I definitely think that he's he's definitely a guy that you want to own in Dynasty. I think that eventually this backfield is going to be his. Um, it Even as early as this year, I mean, Carson has had some injury history, and uh, Penny, he's, again, he's a first-rounder. He's definitely somebody, and Seattle loves to run the ball, um, and especially with losing Doug Baldwin, we don't know what that offense is going to be. Maybe they, maybe they run it even more because they don't have – Dougie on the outside. So um, Penny is definitely a guy that I'm going to be looking forward to, and hopefully he develops more this year. Uh, and now for the man of the hour, the guy that uh, I'm most excited about, Adam, take it away. Yeah, I, I, this guy, he missed all of last year, his rookie year. And I, I feel like with Adrian Peterson rushing for over 1,000 yards in Washington, people might be sleeping on him, and people might be uh, thinking maybe that it's, you know, he's just irrelevant right now and the man's Darius Geis and if I was people I would not sleep on them I mean yes Adrian Peterson at 33 years old came in rushed for just over a thousand yards I think he had seven or eight touchdowns he averaged over four yards a carry but Darius Geis is an absolute monster I watched him at LSU this is a guy who can easily easily come in as long as he stays healthy and lead this team in rushing this year. And that's with Adrian Peterson. I mean, Adrian Peterson is 34 years old now. How much longer can he go? Can he handle 250 carries again? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try it. They did sign him to a two year contract. 
So if it was me, I would want to make sure he's healthy going into that second year where you can at least get your value out of him money-wise. He has, you know, outside of AP, Geis has no competition for carries. Um, Chris Thompson is a guy who they value in the pass game more than the run game. And even even his job isn't necessarily safe after this year because they went out and drafted uh, Stanford running back Bryce Love in the fourth round. Who Bryce Love, he's an explosive playmaker, but I think he just, you know, after this year, I think he compliments Darius Geis into the um, chains of pace and, and catching back. But, but Geis, he can go. I mean, you know, we, we you know, though I think the, what, the one carry he had in preseason, we've seen him, what he can do in that one play. I mean, that was just a monster play. He tore his ACL and was still chugging along for the rest of that play. And I believe that play went, I think, for like over 15 yards, maybe even over 20. And they, they, they gave basically the whole workload to Adrian Peterson last year. Uh, Adrian Peterson had 251 carries, exactly. And the next closest was uh, Chris Thompson with, I think, 48. So that you're talking about a 200-carry difference. I, I don't see that gap being there next year. I believe it's more of uh, guys getting over 200 carries with AP flirting around maybe like the 150 mark, which you know, I think, you know, with – Case Keenum, you can't trust to lead your team. Alex Smith, who doubt plays this year, maybe even ever again, unfortunately. And then you have Dwayne Haskins, who I do think he can come in and um, show that, you know, he he's going to have his rookie moments, but I believe he can come in and actually, you'll look and be like, wow, I can't believe this guy's only been there one year. But still, he's a rookie quarterback. I don't know if, um, you know, if Gruden's going to want him to drop back and throw 30 some odd times a game. I believe this can be another run heavy team and the offensive line isn't bad either. I mean, I could see, you know, guys coming in there, taking a thousand yards, taking um, five or six touchdowns and he, he can, he can catch a little bit too. So that's just extra value added on top. So I, you know, he's, I, if I'm not mistaken, you can get guys in like, I think almost double digit rounds, which is insane. And I'm going to take that every day. If he, if I'm in a double-digit round and I see him, I don't care. How, my whole team can be filled with running backs. I'm going to go take him too because he has a possibility to be my best running back on my team, if not, you know, one of the best. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen him as low as the double-digit rounds. I'd have to go back and double-check on that. But uh, he's definitely somebody that he's really intriguing. Um, between him and Kyler Murray, two guys that haven't played a NFL snap yet, and they're the most hyped players going into this year. Um, but I'm definitely going to take a chance on him. Uh, the, the ACL injury was like like all ACL injuries. They're, they're fluke injuries. Yeah, it's something that you don't want on your body, but um, it's a lot of it's non-contact. And, and I remember this one, this play exactly, I, I think he was hit, but um, for the most part, the ACL is non-contact. He did have a full year to recover. Uh, so I'm definitely excited about him. I'm excited about the Washington Redskins as a whole. Uh, you already mentioned Haskins, uh, Kelvin Harmon. They drafted, they got him on the outside. Just very young offense that um, they can definitely. I mean, they're going to have some growing pains, but they can. I mean, they could be, they could be atop of the NFC East within within a couple, not a couple of years, but within a few years, they could be up there. Uh, Eric, any thoughts on guys? Yeah, I'm uh I'm in the opposite spectrum with Geis. I don't uh I like I like Geis as a player. I liked him coming out as a rookie, but he's slow coming back from that ACL. He's still he's still not 100%. It's been a whole year almost 
Um, the backfield is crowded. They got Peterson there. They drafted Bryce Love. They still have Chris Thompson, who who is going to demand work in the passing game. And the offense as a whole is just not good. And I don't, you know, I, I prefer to have my running backs on good offenses. And not only that, but in a far less crowded of a backfield situation. So I, I'm not in on guys this year in a dynasty type format. Yeah, I'm in. I think he's going to be, I do think the Bryce Love, you know, he's, he's a talented guy. And I, I think, you know, even in a couple of years, he could be, it could be a full on RBBC, but I, I like guys if I can get him in the right spot in dynasty, but I, I'm not on him this year. Like I said, I don't know if I, if I've seen him in the double digit rounds, but definitely a later, later single digit rounds for, for picking them, um, but I've definitely his, his, AD, his ADP right now is six oh two in twelve team six oh two. Okay, I thought oh my god, for a minute I thought you were saying six hundred and two. No, <laughs> he's uh, going to the sixth, sixth, sixth round. Which you look at the running backs behind him. I mean, there's a couple guys I'd like, but I mean, there's not a whole lot of. It's a pretty good place for him. Yeah, I mean Lamar Miller might take over. Might take who uh, Latavius Murray, but the rest of the guys behind him are basically cuffs and. So it's not a bad place for him. I'd, yeah, I was thinking more like sixth, seventh, eighth round. Um, I mean, hundred percent if he's in the in the eighth round, I'm going <laughs> to take him there. Six, I I kind of have to see who falls there, but um, that's definitely where it's definitely a good spot for him. Uh, Eric, why don't you kick us off at the wide receivers? Okay, let me uh bring it up here. So my first wide receiver is Marvin Jones, and I I just I feel like this guy's just getting just getting dissed, man. I mean, he's he was a uh, what a top top ten. He was a top ten wide receiver two years ago, and then last year he dealt with some injuries, and uh, everybody's all on the Galladay train, which I understand. Galladay's more talented, and you know he's exciting to watch. You know he's going to stiff arm some guys, and he's going to make some exciting plays. But Marvin Jones is steady Eddie. He's uh, and he's going. You know you can get him four or five rounds later than you can get Galladay, and give me that all day. It wouldn't be surprised me if at the end of the year they end up with almost the same stats. And, I, you know, this offense is going to slow down. They're going to run the ball more. But you can get Jones so late. I, I, I don't see – if he plays all 16 games, I can't see him finishing outside uh, the top 25 because he just doesn't. And uh, that's, that's all i got to say about him. I mean, I, I think he's just – he's a steal. Yeah. Adam, I'll let you talk about him since, it's, since he's uh... – since he's your guy, but um, I was listening to another fantasy podcast the other day, this past week, and they they were talking about Marvin Jones, and, and they said something interesting. Um, a lot of times, this specific podcast will go over what projected numbers would be if they played the full 16, and I think what they said about Jones um, was that if he played the full 16 at the pace that he was going, he would have projected out to be wide receiver six last year, uh, right in between... Michael Thomas and I think it was Julio Jones, maybe. I, I don't remember who the two, but wide receiver six for a guy that supposedly is number two on his own team. Uh, Adam, what do you got to say about him? Well, I love that someone mentioned him. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking right now. He had exactly half the catches that Kenny Galladay did. Galladay had 70. He had 35. He basically came up. 510 yards difference and in half the catches of what Gala they had, they had the same amount of touchdowns. So, I mean, that's, that's saying something. I mean, Galladay was on, or uh, excuse me, Marvin Jones was on pace to do some huge damage. I mean, we could, you know, we could potentially see him be one of the top three uh, 
one of the top three leaders at the wide receiver, at the wide receiver position in touchdown catches. I mean, he, he had five, and he just it. Basically, he wasn't healthy all year. I mean, outside of the first game, he just every week he was either out with injury or he just had a nagging injury that you could just tell he wasn't himself. You know, uh, he was, you know, he played second fiddle over in Cincinnati, but since he's been here, he's, you know, he's made some incredible catches. I don't know if you guys have caught any games where, um, I believe it was against Minnesota last year. He, he just, he was, he was just blanketed with, uh, by two defensive backs and somehow just managed to just spin around and catch the ball over his shoulder. It was, it, it was insane. I mean, he's so talented. He's still young too. I mean, it's and Stafford loves him. I mean, when he's on the field and healthy, you can see that Stafford looks for him. He looks for him a lot. And granted, I mean, Stafford, you know, he is my quarterback, but, but I believe Stafford, he can, you know, he can definitely go and have, you know, two receivers hit over that thousand yard mark over that 1100 yard mark. And I think Galladay and Marvin Jones are two, the two guys that can do it. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm a huge Galladay guy. I think Galladay is, even though it's very early in his career, I think he could potentially be one of the best wide receivers we've had, especially with Stafford throwing him the ball and Stafford loving the big wide receivers. But, yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't be too shocked if Marvin Jones, you know, healthy plays 15, 16 games, ends up becoming, you know, fantasy-wise, the top receiver for, for the Lions. Yeah, that that NFC North definitely has some good wide receivers in it. Um, just a whole bunch of not necessarily underrated guys because a lot of these guys are pretty well known. But just as a whole, the whole division is is pretty solid on the wide receiver side of things. Yeah, he's going five full rounds, exactly five full rounds after Kenny Galladay. So that's a big reason I've been passing on Gall- Kenny Galladay and any mocks I've been doing. I you know I can wait even just four rounds and get Marvin Jones, and I might have the same guy. Yeah, I, I get it completely. My next guy that I have, my first wide receiver that I want to talk about, and actually both my wide receivers that I have here, I have actually done small write-ups on, on our fantasy football page, the fantasy football fraternity. Um, so, But, I mean, these are guys that I that I truly believe in, one more than the other. Uh, the other kind of has a asterisk next to him. Uh, it all depends on certain things. But uh, the first one is Devin Funches. Uh, he's not the asterisk guy. Um, he's just a guy that I absolutely love his situation. He's coming in to play with one of the best quarterbacks that are in the league when he's healthy. And last year he was healthy hundred percent and he ended up, I think is uh what was he QB two last year. And he is, I know they went out and drafted Paris Campbell. Um, and they also have T Y Hilton still there, but I think they threw a one-year prove-it-deal contract to Devin Funches for $10 million. You don't just go and throw, and I know wide receivers, top wide receivers are, are making in the uh, $15, $16 million range. Um, so I'm not saying that, that Funches is being overpaid or anything like that, but you don't just go and throw $10 million at a guy just to expect him to, to not be a factor on your team. Campbell's going to get his. T.Y. Hilton's going to get his. They got a dual threat uh, or two two threats at tight end there and Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. But I think Funches is he's going to have a breakout career year this year. Um, it's not going to be hard to have a career year. He really hasn't had the greatest career so far, but he is going to be, I think he's going to be fantasy relevant. He's going in the double digit rounds. 
He's a guy that I want my hands on in every single league. Uh, not necessarily as my wide receiver, too. I want him probably as my flex, but he is – I'm just absolutely in love with his situation this year. And I am – I'm all over him. If if everybody else wants to pass up on him, that's fine with me. I'm taking him all day long. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking. He's going 12-12, so basically the 13th round. I uh, – you know, I, I think he's a little – he. It just basically his career arc so far is a little, uh, you know, it's not appealing. But he's going to a fantastic offense, and he's going to catch touchdowns. I get I, 12-12, give me that. That's a gamble I'll take all day long. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's the right price. Yeah, and he could be one of the best wide receiver values this year. I mean, there's, there's no reason. I mean, granted, you know, they do have the wide receiver they drafted, but he's going to step in at least for part of the season, as the wide receiver, too, and gives something that you – know, he is really talented, and he gives something that Edge Luck you know, really hasn't had too much across from T.Y. Hilton, and that's a, a big wide receiver. Now, they've had nice-sized tight ends, but he's never had that outside true wide receiver, and it's going to be interesting to see what can happen. I mean, Ryan Grant had 35 catches. Deion Kane had over 50 it, it, a lot, I think a lot of those catchers are going to go to go to Devin Funchins, and I think he's a guy that could potentially he 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 could go hit double digit touchdowns. I mean, God, you know, this is a whole another year where Lux, you know, recovered from surgeries, healthy. Who knows? I mean, he threw thirty nine touchdowns. We could potentially see him flirt with fifty this year. I mean, you have to admit it's Andrew Luck. It's if anybody can do it. You know this season is it, you know now with better receivers. It's it's going to be Andrew Luck, and I think any you know he had forty five almost forty six hundred pass yards. He's he's going to be a guy that's going to probably go catch seventy five passes, hit the thousand yard mark, and like I said, he's going to have more than five or six touchdowns. Um, you know maybe kind of push himself to have ten, but. Again, we've never seen Andrew Luck have that big-bodied wide receiver like a Devin Funches. Yeah, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a big red zone target for him and probably take away a couple of touchdowns from Eric Ebron um, and have him go Funches' way. Uh, but with Funches now in Indy, Cam Newton now has uh, some new faces to throw to, and, and one of them is on your team here, Adam. So why don't you talk about him? Yeah, it's it's second year man, uh, DJ Moore. I was a huge fan of Moore coming out, uh, a Big Ten guy, so I got to watch him a lot. Uh, you know, against Michigan, Michigan State, and he's a guy who I think can definitely be a number one. You know, he he doesn't. You know, I I trust him enough to draft him and <laughs> to start him weekly. I don't think he's a guy that's gonna let me down. Uh, he he's that by far the new wide receiver one over there. Uh, a lot of this can depend on how healthy. Uh, Cam Newton is uh, how well Cam Newton throws now that he changed his throwing motion. But it, it you know, Christian, McC- uh, Christian McCaffrey had 107 catches at the backfield, and that's because they really lacked a true wide receiver one. I mean, they kind of baby DJ Moore a little bit coming in, but even though you know, even with all that, and DJ Moore was the leading receiver outside of running backs on the team. He had 55 catches. He almost hit the 800-yard mark. He had two touchdowns, what I expect to come up, uh, you know, that's the same solo amount. I believe he can hit definitely hit six touchdowns, seven touchdowns. And 
he even had 13 carries. I mean, so he's a little he can do a little bit of run game because he had almost 175 yards on just you know barely over double digit carries. So he can add a little you know every fantasy point or uh, fantasy point counts. So you know even though that's what not even two full extra points or oh actually over the course of a season 172 yards is almost an extra 20 points. So do you think that's an extra point? You know a point in what a quarter a game? I'll take that. I mean he. he He's going to have a bigger role uh, with Devin Funches being gone. That's 44 catches that are gone, um, 550 yards that are gone, four touchdowns that are gone. And, you know, they didn't do nothing in the draft until the seventh round where they selected Terry Godwin. Um, and that's not saying this about Godwin. Uh, on a per- personal level, I like Godwin, but I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one. He's more of a slot guy. So it's, again, another guy I picked that has opportunity uh, and who's someone who I believe is going to thrive with that opportunity. You know, we look at, you know, Curtis Samuel, who should be the wide receiver too. He's even more of a slot guy. So, like, the big plays, the deep plays, I believe, are all going to go to DJ Moore. And I think Moore is just going to have a – honestly, I think he's going to have a huge season. I mean, it, he's going to be someone that Cam depends on. I mean, basically by need. They really don't have nobody else. I If I'm Cam Newton, I don't feel comfortable. I mean, Chris Hogan – We've seen that he can have good games in New England. Uh, and then he's just, like you mentioned, I believe it was last week, he's off the map for a while. Uh, Greg Olson, who can't stay healthy. Curtis Samuel, Torrey Smith, who hasn't been relevant in God knows how many years. I mean, you know, he, he has the opportunity to just fill this huge, you know, hole. I mean, and we, you know, we got to admit, if this team is going to get back to where they were the first half of last year, it's going to be them being a complete team because they can't rely on Christian McCaffrey every week, even though he puts up the numbers saying you can, something's going to happen to the point where they're going to actually need to have that wide receiver one who can do damage, who can scare opposing defenses. And that's DJ Moore's title to grab. And I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to be a very solid wide receiver three, um, wide receiver two. You know, it's, it, it's basically by default, he has to be the main guy there. I, he's a, he has to be. I mean, you, you have the running back, you know, Chris McCaffrey, but you can't go into every season having your leading catcher be your running back. I mean, that's just too much. You're giving him 250 carries a game or a season. You're giving him 100 receptions a game or a season. I don't know why I keep saying game, <laughs> but it's that's a lot of, you know, just you see how rough the NFL is. That's a lot of, you know, he, he is absorbing all them hits. That's just too much because eventually you're just going to ask for your running back to just be on the shelf, and then what are you going to do? You know, so it's it's. I think they they need to cut down the uh, the focus. You know, having Christian McCaffrey be the guy who's having 100 receptions a year out the out the backfield. I think they need to drop that number down to save the wear and tear on his body, and that's just that's going to just benefit DJ Moore even more. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they wouldn't mind having C Mac. Uh, continue to carry the load that he's carrying but I'm, I'm sure they also wouldn't mind having other guys step up and and kind of give Cam Newton some other options DJ Moore definitely a good option there Curtis Samuel as you mentioned is a good option uh, Greg Olson if he could stay healthy just I mean for fantasy purposes just just give us one full season Greg just have somebody draft Greg Olson and, and give him their 14-15 games of the season just to and then you could go off and retire and take Jason Winton's job at Monday Night Football um <laughs> All right, before we move on, I think it's contest time. Let's uh so the way that it's working 
now is if you've made it this far in the show, then that means you're you're here for the the Le'Veon Bell picture. The what we're gonna do is I'm gonna say a key phrase, and what you then have to do is you have to private message the Fantasy Football Fraternity Facebook page with what the key phrase was. We'll then randomly select one winner. Uh, no charge for shipping. We'll ship it off for free uh, with certificate of authenticity, the signed Le'Veon Bell poster, 8 by 10 and uh, that's it. I mean, so that's where we're at. Um, so the key phrase that we thought of is going to be, kickers are people too. That's just, that's it. So when you hear that, Message uh, message the Facebook page. Um, let us know exactly what the key phrase is, and uh, you'll be put into the drawing to to win that poster. All right, let's move on now. Um, Adam, you want to go kick right off to the next wide receiver you got, or do you want to add anything to the contest first? Oh no, I'm just I'm hoping this does well. If this does well, I mean, there's there's plenty more. I mean, there's there's no charge. We're not you know charging for entries for like a raffle it's just it comes out of our own pockets something to help build the page give you guys something to look forward to um i know i like having that kind of stuff it's super cool uh i go to lions practices all the time every year when they have them uh i love getting autographs i love hanging that stuff up and it'd be something something cool i mean it's a a really cool basically a key piece of in your collections i mean it's Le'Veon bell i mean how you know if you don't live you know if you haven't lived in pittsburgh or now you know new york how do you get your hands on one of those without buying it yourselves? I mean, it's something to definitely look forward to something that's definitely really cool. I mean, the picture's real sweet. Uh, and yeah, the better, you know, the better this does, the the more contests there will be. Uh, and there'll be bigger contests. I mean, mini helmets, uh, jerseys, full size helmets, basically whatever we can get our hands on to. Um, we're going to end up auctioning off stuff. We're going to try to get, um, you know, promoters for us where we get, even more stuff and even cooler stuff to give you guys. And, and who knows if we get to a point, maybe we'd go as far as maybe potentially getting tickets out there. You know, just if this thing blows up, then I absolutely think that have to be on the table. Yeah, no doubt about that. Eric, you got anything to add as far as the contest goes or, or, or how it's going? I'm just excited to be a part of it. I, I know that when I listen to podcasts, I'll always join the, the contest they have and try and win something. Haven't yet, but I'm going to keep trying. It's, it, it's, it's cool. I, I think it's a cool way to get some people to get excited about listening to the podcast. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's as simple as that. Just enter the key phrase, let us know what it is. It's got to be entered privately because we don't really want anybody, anybody that really didn't listen to the podcast to, to have it. This is more for the, the listeners. So just send it to us and you'll be put into the drawing and that's it. I mean, it's sweet. We have the picture. Adam has it at his house right now. Uh, once we have the winner, he's going to ship it right out. Um, moving on, though, Adam, your next wide receiver is is from from both the Buffalo Bills, and I'm surprised because Buffalo really isn't known for throwing the ball. So let's talk about him. Yeah, and my receiver is John Brown. He did well with Joe Flacco last year in Baltimore. His overall season was 42 catches. 715 yards, five touchdowns. And that way you could really say that was a lot of that production was on, up until Lamar Jackson got there because once Lamar Jackson started or, you know, started under center, his production went down quite a bit. And now he's going to 
Buffalo who desperately needs someone to emerge as a true wide receiver one. And I believe that could be John Brown this year, even though he's not a big wide receiver. He's a very good slot receiver. He'll kill you on slants. He'll kill you on the bubble screens. He averages this, this season, his average um, per catch was 17 yards. And then you have a guy like Josh Allen who can go and just throw the ball, what, 90 yards with ease. I, I think John Brown's going to just reap the benefits of that. I mean, I expect I, – I think John Brown could be one of the top five guys in, uh, in uh, you know, big you know big chunk yardage, you know, 20-plus plays, 30-yard-plus um, plays. I think, you know, Allen's going to love him because, you know, John Brown can stretch the field, and they're just going to connect. I mean, I can't wait to see him uh, – I'm basically in the process. I want to actually go and uh, chill actually with Jerry in New York and just to see John Brown in practice in person, just, just to see really how badass his season is going to be. This is a guy I think people are sleeping on a ton. It's, it's, I don't think he's going to flirt with wide receiver one numbers. Unfortunately. I mean, I believe if he was a bigger receiver, he could, but he's a guy that I think can be a very good flex play. Um, on bye weeks, I'll throw him out comfortably as a wide receiver too. He's definitely going in the later rounds where I feel comfortable getting him. I'm trying to pull it up actually right now. Yeah, I don't think which, he's being drafted. Yeah, which which isn't all too surprising because let's let's be honest, it's Buffalo hasn't had a tremendous season by any means. The receivers haven't had a tremendous season by any means. And actually they do have one Buffalo receiver getting drafted, and that's Robert Foster. And he's basically going in the 14th round. I mean, I believe starting week one, I John Brown comes in there and he's, again, like I said, uh, with DJ Moore, he's wide receiver one by default. And they need a true wide receiver. And, Jerry, you know that better than anybody. They've needed a legitimate wide receiver for the last numerous years. Yeah. What, and I believe he can be that guy. I mean, at least short term. You know, I, I, he's not going to be a guy that's going to hit you for – 12, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, but he should post very respectable numbers. Uh, maybe he has like a, a season like Golden Tate had two years ago. You know, I believe I believe he can kind of flirt with that 1,000-yard mark and have over a handful of touchdowns, which I'm sure Josh Allen, Buffalo fans alike, they would just love that. Yeah, since Stevie Johnson left, we haven't uh, really had a clear-cut number one. Um, I'm excited about John Brown as a Bills fan. I'm really not excited about too many Bills players for fantasy. Um, I probably won't have too much invested into John Brown this year. I was excited when we got him. He actually was uh, on on the Bills' radar last offseason before he signed in Baltimore. Um, and then the Baltimore experience didn't really work out that well. And, and now he's obviously here and he, he is going to bring a different aspect to the table for Josh Allen. I think if there's, I mean, I love Robert Foster. If there's, if there's a wide receiver that I grab, it's going to be him. If there's a bills player that I grab though, if I just stick to one player, it's going to be Josh Allen overall. I don't think any of the players themselves are going to be fantasy relevant enough um, except for, except for Allen, the one getting them all the ball. Um, but I, I do appreciate the, the pick here of John Brown. It's uh, definitely a nice gesture on your part. Um, I, I'm just not really – I'm not feeling it too much. Um, I mean, well, that's just me. And, and, but, and I'm also not a homer. And, and you, guys, you guys know my thoughts on, on and my made-up word homerism. But um, I just – I'm just not going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get value elsewhere. Uh, you did mention Golden Tate. 
And that's who Eric has next. Uh, any thoughts on John Brown? If not, jump into Tate. Um, I'm kind of with you on, on the John Brown thing. Uh, there's some interesting pieces, but uh, I heard a phrase. I can't remember. It was on a podcast, and it's, you know, instead of the icing, draft the cake. So instead of all the auxiliary pieces, the wide receivers, if you don't know who's going to catch all these balls or who's going to score all these touchdowns, just take the quarterback that's distributing it. And uh, I thought that was kind of a cool phrase. So I'm not in on him myself, but, I, I mean, if you're in a deeper league and you draft him with your last pick or take him in the, on the waiver wire, he, he's definitely going to have some splash weeks where he, he scores big points because he's a big play guy. Um, I picked Golden Tate. I uh, I think that it's criminal where he's going. I, I, I You know, he's a very experienced receiver, I, I and he's going into an offense that – there's not a whole lot of threats there. To, I mean, Sterling Shepard just signed a new contract, and, you know, he's good, but he's really a I, – I, they're going to try and push him outside, and, you know, I'm sure they're going to move Tate and him in and out, which is probably going to help both of them. But you get Golden Tate in the eighth round, I, at the end of the eighth round, and I think that he's going to flirt with numbers like he had in Detroit. Maybe not quite as high, but I think he's definitely going to have – you know, he catches those bubble screens. He's always the guy that leads the league in, in yards after catch. So – he doesn't need the quarterback to necessarily be awesome for him to be awesome. He he catches little passes and he and he makes people miss and he makes big plays. And I think he you know last year was a, an anomaly. They traded him halfway through the year. He couldn't learn the playbook. He was on pace last year with the Lions for another Golden Tate season. I think he steps in and Eli's going to lean on him. And even if it's not Eli, if it's Daniel Jones, I think no matter who it is, you know you want to get that ball out quick to to your guy and let them you know make all the make all the play for you. If you just can do that as a quarterback, what, what more do you want? So I, I, I really like where Golden Tate's going. Uh, he's a guy you can draft really late and potentially have your wide receiver too out of him, I think. I think he's going to flirt with those numbers. So that's who I like. Uh, just like um, just like Marvin Jones is going a few rounds after after Galladay <laughs> and Stefan Diggs is going a few rounds after Thielen, how, how much further after uh, Shepard is Tate going? They're literally back to back, back to back. They're going right next to each other, right at eight twelve. Oh, okay, all right. So, if I'm choosing between the two of them, I do like I do like Tate's potential there. Um, definitely, it's a, it's more of a veteran receiver for Eli to Eli to hit. Um, I, I mean, if they're moving Shepard to the outside, Tate is Tate is a better inside guy. So hopefully, he gets some work there. Uh, any thoughts on your former Lion, Adam? Oh, I love it. I mean, I'm actually – I think he'll have better value if Daniel Jones became quarterback sooner rather than later for some reason is Golden Tate, and I'm sure both of you guys can agree, is probably the perfect security blanket a quarterback can have, especially a young quarterback, because not only can he go and, you know, just stretch the field, as Eric said, he can take these bubble screens and just show you why he's the Yak King. I mean, it's – it helps quarterbacks tremendously. I mean, he's someone that Eli, you know, with him getting winding down in his career, he's going to lean on him. But I mean, having a rookie quarterback in there who honestly lists, you know, all these rookies, they really have that, that one favorite guy who they want to rely on the most. And that's going to be Golden Tate. And on top of that, Golden Tate is a locker room leader. So, you know, he's going to be basically best friends with his quarterback. Uh, he's going to, he's going to do anything he can to help Eli try to turn his career around. Um, He's going to help Daniel Jones try to get off to a good start in his career. 
So, I mean, I, you know, if, if I'm the quarterback and I'm, I'm talking to my receivers, I would imagine that, you know, Golden Tate would rub me the best where I'm like, this guy is, I can, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he has a tremendous football IQ and he's someone that basically could make me look good. So I would rely on him so much where I kind of would force him the ball a little bit just because I have so much faith in him. So, I mean, if you get Daniel Jones in there, I mean, I just, I think Golden Tate would just, just, he'd be huge just because he'd be the security blanket. My next guy, like I said, he has a big asterisk next to him, and he is, he's basically been a, he's been a sleeper for the past four years. Um, <laughs> it's Devontae Parker of the Miami Dolphins. The asterisk that I have next to him is if Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing. Um, obviously, they went out and traded for Josh Rosen during the draft, and Josh Rosen at some point is is going to see the field, and maybe he does grow some chemistry with Devontae Parker, but I just like just like the beginning of last year with Fitzpatrick in Tampa Bay, it's like any of those receivers that were there, you had a chance to they they were all pretty much sleepers aside from Mike Evans. Uh, Deshaun Jackson put up a couple good games. Chris Godwin put up a couple good games. Adam Humphreys put up a couple good games. Uh, I could see that same kind of that same kind of action with Devontae Parker if Fitzpatrick is under center. And Miami as a whole is not going to be good this year. Their defense is not going to be good this year, so their offense should hopefully be playing from behind and be on the field a lot. Parker is one of those late, late deep round sleepers that that I'll take a chance on. Um, he's He hasn't had the best career so far yet. Uh, he also hasn't had the best quarterbacks. I know Cutler was there. Um, for the one year, and I don't remember who was before him. And then last year, they they just had just it was just a mess. Um, but it was I don't know. I again, I I need Fitzpatrick to start in order for me to kind of be serious about him. He he's had in his career he's had he's been targeted um, in 2017 with Cutler. He was targeted 96 times. Uh, the year before that, he was targeted 87 times. It, those aren't the kind of targets that you want out of your top receiver, but those are targets for for a flex, for a for a guy that that could uh, come in under the radar, maybe in e- even like a best ball league that uh, that definitely could definitely could do some damage with the right quarterback, and and hopefully that's that's Fitzpatrick this year. Well, he hasn't been healthy at all either, has he? he hasn't played a full season, I don't think in the last three or four years at all. No, he hasn't. Not a full season at all. Yeah, and so the one thing I do like about your uh, your pick and with the Ryan Fitzpatrick is I think that I'm pretty sure I was looking at it, and as far as yards that quarterbacks threw the ball in the air, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick last year when he was with the Bucks was, you know, far and above the farthest or, you know, in in per pass attempt – and Parker's a big body down the field that can run and stretch, and, and, you know, that's the kind of guy that Ryan Fitzpatrick likes to throw the ball to. So I don't hate it. I think they are going to go with Rosen. I think they're going to see what they got. Um, but if I, I think it would be more if, if Rosen starts and he's just terrible. They bring in Fitzpatrick and try and salvage some of the season, sell some tickets. Uh, but you never know. You know, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick just flat out wins the job and they try and win some games. Yeah, I think they kind of have to go with Rosen, and and that's where I'm kind of skeptical about it. Um, but even then, like I said, I mean, a full 
a full camp with Parker, and Parker, I think, is entering as the number one, aside from uh, Stills. So they, I don't know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. It's definitely something that, uh, I mean, Miami, somebody has to catch the ball there. Um, maybe it's Parker. Adam, you got any thoughts on it? Well, their leading receiver from last year is in Detroit. You know, Danny Amendola, I mean, that's 60 catches, you know, almost 600 yards. Devontae Parker, he, sh- he has shown us that he's had the talent. Is He has been able to stay healthy. His quarterbacks have been mediocre. And, and even though Ryan Fitzpatrick is far from a Tom Brady, I mean, he, has, he, can, he just keeps chugging his career along, and he, he makes random people look really good. I mean, I'll take Devontae Parker's stock if I can get it late. I think he'd eventually pay off. Rosen, uh, I, I'm I'm a decent fan of Rosen. So, I mean, even with Rosen, I think he could uh, end up making Parker fantasy worthy. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I know when we put up the post on, on the fraternity, Parker got a couple got a couple thumbs downs and and definitely was expected. But um, I could I could see with Fitzpatrick, it could. He could hopefully be fantasy relevant for for first couple of weeks at least until Fitzpatrick decides to fizzle out. Um, and not even that though, it's it's they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and I'll take garbage time stats too, no problem. I mean that's what fantasy football is all about: garbage time stats. <laughs> uh, going on to the tight ends, um, there's not. I mean anybody besides the top three tight ends, I guess, could be considered a sleeper but we have some some later round sleepers here um i'll go first i got matt lacoste from new england now he came over from denver he is they my original guy was austin safarian jenkins but he ended up getting cut so i had to cut him off my sleeper list too uh so i ended up sticking with new england going with lacoste tom brady loves his tight ends um, he is, he's getting older. He's can't really, not, not that he can't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put words in my mouth about, about him chucking the ball, but they're, they're definitely taking a different approach. I think they're going to look at the, the short game more, get Edelman, hit Edelman more over the middle, hit the tight end a little bit more. Uh, they went out and drafted Nikhil Harry. They got Sonny Michelle. They still got James White. Um, but somebody has to fill Gronk's role is Lacoste. Rob Gronkowski, no, nobody is. Um, but those targets are there. Uh, they're up for taking, and it's going to be spread out across those those players that I mentioned. And Lacoste is going to get he's going to get his. Um, he is he is a good tight end. He was pretty decent last year in Denver. I know there was a he had a couple fantasy relevant weeks, um, and we do have a Denver fan in our in our Facebook group chat, uh, our group chat. So uh, I know he was. Actually, we had a couple at the time, and and they were they were a little high on him. Um, I, I don't know what exactly I expect out of him. I just know that it's a New England tight end, so I'm all over it. Yeah, it, it's fair. I mean, my only worry is they had Austin Safarian Jenkins, who basically who who got released, and then they didn't feel comfortable enough with him being their their main tight end because then they went to their favorite trading partner, Detroit, and tried to get Michael Roberts, who they actually did make the trade, but the trade fell through due to Roberts not being able to pass a, um, a physical. But so that kind of kind of shows me that they're not they're not really wanting to go into the season with him being tight end one. So uh, I I don't know I don't I don't even know if he's going to start the season as the main tight end. You know we got veteran cuts. Uh, 
they might go out and try, you know, since clearly they're trying to trade for another or tight end, they could try to do it again with somebody else uh, since this Detroit thing didn't work out. So I, I don't know. I just, I, if he's still the main option, like it looks like he's the main option going into the drafts, then I would take a, take a flyer on just because who knows this guy, he could turn into you know, with Brady 50 catches, seven, 800 yards, handful of touchdowns. That's just what Brady does. Like I mean, I, I, hopefully it's enough to at least do something where if you select him, he's able to at least uh, play for his value, which would be towards the later rounds. I mean, I like him. I know he's a, he's a talented guy. He's athletic. Um, I think he could, he could shine. We'll see. Ben Watson's going to come back after four weeks. I, I'm still, you know, I, I, I'm a big Gronk guy. I, I'd like to see Gronk come back and maybe that's just wishful thinking, but um would not be surprised to see Gronk back in the, in the middle of the year, which would kill any other tight end value there. So I, I mean, I'm not as high out of it. You don't have to pay anything for him. That's the thing. He's not going in any round. So if you want to just take a flyer on him with your 15th round pick and and see what you got, cut him after a couple of weeks. If he's nothing, then I don't, I don't have any problem with that at all. Yeah, and it's it's hard for like tight ends are again aside from the top three, and then even Ebron had um, more than a handful quality games last year like just to if I can get four catches 40 yards and, and then I mean throwing in that touchdown makes you a TE one that week but um, even without that touchdown four catches 40 45 yards I mean that's that's pretty much what you have to expect out of a tight end that's not that's not one of the top three so um, like I said he did that a couple times last year he had uh, a couple four or five catch games he had he didn't, really didn't have too many touchdowns, but um, like the the weeks that he did get a touchdown, he I'm sure he was at the top of the or near the top of the list for that week for tight ends. So, um, I mean, going into a better quarterback situation, going into a situation where the tight or where the quarterback likes the tight end, uh, especially for the first four weeks. I know you mentioned Watson, but the first four weeks he is he's hopefully going to be the main guy so get get him get him there and then cut him um adam and you got a uh you got a tight end down there in baltimore uh who do you want to talk about i'm going with mark andrews uh i believe he's a guy who is going to as much as it's going to hurt baltimore as a whole i think lamar jackson being an iffy passer i think it benefit him a lot because like i said about the golden Tate, i think he can be lamar jackson's security blanket and he posted, you know, respectable numbers last year. You know, he had uh, 34 catches, 550 yards, and three touchdowns. I just, I expect that to go up. I mean, Lamar Jackson's going to play a full 16 if healthy. Uh, we, we've we seen that he's not the best gunslinger. Uh, so I, I expect a lot of short stuff. Uh, and that's going to benefit the tight ends. And Mark Andrews, I think he's the most talented tight end on the roster, even though they did go out and uh, take two tight ends in 2018's draft. I think he's the the, be- the the better one, though. I mean, he's someone that I would feel comfortable taking to be my wide receiver or my tight end, too. And hopefully maybe he gives me enough value where I'm able to trade him maybe um, for a piece that I need or maybe even, you know, starting my flex spot. He's a guy that can he can stretch the field. I mean, he averaged uh, just over 16 yards um, per reception. So I mean, it's 
I, you know, for, and like you said, for the Titans, it's so hard taking Titans. I mean, outside of the top three, we really could have picked any of them, talked about them. And I tell you right now, if Mark Andrews, if he's able to get 600 yards, five or six touchdowns, he's top 10 tight end. And I think that's doable, you know, with Lamar Jackson being, you know, a shaky quarterback. And if with him doing all his running, you know, we don't wish injuries here, but if something were to happen to him due to him wanting to run like he's a running back, the tight ends behind him are, are the quarterbacks behind him are very weak, which means they'll need to rely on the tight ends even more. So, I mean, it's, it's basically the system he plays in, who's his quarterback. It all adds up to at least making a, a decent fantasy, uh, uh, you know, a bi-week starter, um, occasional flex play, depending on the team he's going against. And and he's barely getting drafted, if even getting drafted. So it's it's a guy that I see tremendous value for. I believe it's somebody that's uh, probably I th- I think he is going to finish in, in the top ten at tight ends, just because this tight end class is so lackluster. Um, you know, there's a couple of rookies coming in that are probably going to do well, but I think he could squeeze in the top ten just by being you know a security blanket. Yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore's offense is not a situation that I really like, but Andrews is definitely somebody that um, I'll I'll keep my eye on. I mean, typically when it comes to when it comes to streaming tight ends, and, and I've done a lot of that, I've typically tried to kind of just gauge the last like week or two, see how they've done, and and, and then I mean, if if I like their situation and they've been getting a lot of targets and trending up, I'll. I'll I'll pick him up. So if Andrews ends up doing something like that, and I have a vacancy at my tight end, I could definitely see him see him hitting my roster for a couple weeks this year. Um, it looks like we lost Eric, unfortunately, before he got to his uh, tight end. He had Vance McDonald, definitely a good choice there. Um, he takes over as the number one tight end role in Pittsburgh with the loss of Jesse James to Detroit. So, um, and also with Antonio Brown gone and obviously Le'Veon Bell didn't play last year, but he is, uh, he's another, another guy that was taking some targets away from, from elsewhere. So McDonald definitely has a nice situation there. Big Ben can still throw the ball. Uh, Juju's going to get a lot of targets. Connor is going to get a lot of targets and touches out of the backfield. But then McDonald's pretty much the next guy to own on the team. Um, he's probably even the next pass-catching option, even above their uh, wide receiver two or wide receiver three. He's he's pretty reliable. He could be up there in the in the top tight end discussion after after your Kelsey and your Ertz and, and your George Kittle. He could be up there at number four, number five. So um, he's for where he's going, uh, where his ADP is, it's definitely a good sleeper choice there, um, even though of the whole list, he probably has the the best potential of everybody that we've talked about to, to kind of just kind of just be up there. Um, any thoughts on him? Well, I love it. I mean, he has potential to arguably be maybe tight end four after the end of the season with Antonio Brown and Jesse James, both not being there anymore. That leaves 134 catches and 17 touchdowns. I mean, he could just be a huge, that could be a, you know, he could step right in there and, Post really respectable numbers, even with him splitting time with James and having Antonio Brown there, he had 50 catches for 610 yards and four touchdowns. Which you, I think, that's the way this this 
this tight end group looks this year, that could potentially be top 10 numbers right there. So, I mean, it's just his stock. I think, you know, if people really just sit and think and want a true sleeper. I, I think you, you go and you kind of snag uh, Vance McDonald a little bit early. And I'm talking that he doesn't have any competition behind him. Uh, Pittsburgh sele- uh, selected uh, Zach Gentry from uh, University of Michigan, but he's only been a Titan for like, I believe two years. He came in as a quarterback. So he's still very raw. And even though he's a big wider, uh, big tight end, he still has to learn the game. Now, not only does he have to learn the position, but he has to learn the position at a, uh, at the NFL level now, which is even more work. So no competition, um, plenty of targets for him to, to soak up. I think that's a great pick by Eric. I think honestly, out of this list, I think he's probably the, um, you could say safest bet to actually make, you know, actually produce good numbers this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then his last, uh, for his flex, he went with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS, out of uh, the wide receiver out of Green Bay. Um, and for very good reason, there's been, I know I have a couple of different fantasy apps that I, I get notifications all day long when I'm at work, and, and I've seen his name pop up a couple times. So um, he's just having a great offseason. He's, uh, he's been called an offseason standout. They said that a lot of the plays and a lot of the offense is catered. Uh, they use the word catered to him in um, in Green Bay. So definitely somebody to look out look out for in Green Bay, catching balls from one of the best quarterbacks in the game, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously, Devontae Adams is there on the other side. Devontae Adams is good enough to draw dr- double coverage, so that's going to open up the other side for him. They have Geronimo Allison. They have MVS. Uh, Aaron Jones should should get a lot of bear, call, uh, a lot of balls out of the backfield, but um, they're clear. They really don't have a clear cut number two wide receiver. Um, MVS has every every opportunity to just step in and be that guy. Um, I love the pick here. I love his last two picks. I love McDonald. I love uh, Scantling here. Um, I know he's a rival for you. Any thoughts on him there? I mean, he's a rival for the Lions. I tell you right now, if I'm in fantasy leagues for money or whatever, like we you know we are in uh, fantasy football fraternities, uh, dynasty league, I'll take him. I mean, I'll even do a little bit of trading for him. Anything that helped me. I mean, when it comes to fantasy, you, I I know a lot of a lot of people really don't like taking players from rival teams, but I'm the type of guy if he's going to benefit my team, you know, if it's going to benefit me, I'm going to take him. And I think. Well, you have to figure anybody that's playing with Aaron Rodgers is going to have value, especially if you're the wide receiver too there. Because if there's that wide receiver core outside of Devontae Adams uh, is very, very thin, a lot of unproven young guys. But uh, he's shown that he can actually – he can step up and do some huge things. So I, I'm looking forward to actually seeing him play. Uh, I'll watch him closely twice a year because he goes against Detroit. I mean, I, if I get decent value, get him in a decent round, I'll take him. And uh, as long as he's not burning Detroit, I, I'll start him. And from the wide receiver two in Green Bay to the wide receiver two in Oakland, uh, you kind of mentioned his name a little earlier. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tyrell Williams as your flex. I love Tyrell Williams. Uh, I have him at the flex spot, but I was actually arguing about maybe bumping him to my uh, wide receiver two spot. He's He's been a guy that's – always shown that he could do something, but it seems like he can never just do a complete breakout. Uh, he, Some people might forget he had a 1,000 yards um, three seasons ago. So I believe with him playing with Antonio Brown, 
with him having Derek Carr, who is a good quarterback, throwing him the ball. I think he can break loose. I mean, he's a guy who over in Los Angeles, he had Keenan Allen as the number one clear cut, uh, a young early draft pick in Mike Williams who had the Tate, you know, who basically was a, he was barely the second leading receiver on the team. I mean, Tyrell Williams was right there. He had 40 catches, almost 700 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, I think he can, he can flirt with getting back to a thousand yards this year with him going later in drafts. I wouldn't mind him going and getting me, you know, close to eight, 900 yards, five or six touchdowns, give me a good flex play. I mean, by, you know, the biggest thing in fantasy, at least to me is to have good starters on your bye weeks. We see it, you know, all the time, even if you don't really think about it when you're drafting two or three of your main players, your core players, will have the same bye week and you're looking at scraps on your bench. I don't think Tyrell Williams is going to be a scrap. I think he's somebody that after a couple of weeks, you eventually go, okay, well, I need to put him at least in at a flex play because he's actually doing very well. And, um, you know, Oakland doesn't have Jared Cook anymore, doesn't have Jordy Nelson. Uh, that's over 120 receptions that need to be accounted for. Now, granted, more than likely Antonio Brown's going to take a lot of it, but we're not going to forget about Tyrell Williams. Um, he don't have to worry about facing double coverages. And honestly, with Antonio Brown there, I mean, you, do you really, you know, we've seen what Juju did in Pittsburgh. When you have Antonio Brown playing for your team as a defense, do you really pay attention to any other receiver? I mean, you really don't. Your main goal is to isolate Antonio Brown, which Juju caused a lot of havoc. I don't think Williams is going to cause the havoc Juju did, but I think this makes him very respectable as a potential weekly play. Yeah, he's he's another one that I like. Um, Antonio Brown, his he's getting late first, early second, mid round second round grade there. Um, definitely not comparing Tyrell Williams to Antonio Brown, but if if I'm going running back heavy early in the draft and and I still want to get somebody that's going to get some targets and catching balls from from a quarterback that is uh, that is poised to have a breakout year and have have a comeback year this year. Uh I'm definitely looking at Tyrell Williams late and um uh, having having Derek Carr there throwing the ball to him could definitely be some be for some good news there. Um my last guy that I got, I'll go over him, get your thoughts on him, and then I'll just mention a couple players that we won't get too much into the other players themselves, but a couple players that a couple of the other guys from the page said. Um if you want to say anything about them, you can, but we'll just, I'll just mention their names to see just to throw some names out there. But my last guy that I got is Jordan Matthews. He's now with the San Francisco 49ers. Honestly, this is, this is a really deep sleeper here. He could honestly be a camp casualty. He could end up getting cut without even playing a regular season game for him. Um, I mean, they got so much, so much depth there at the wide receiver position uh, between, Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, who they drafted, Jalen Hurd, who they drafted, second-year Dante Pettis, uh, Trent Taylor's still there, so they they definitely have a lot of a lot of competition there. Um, if if anybody is is going to get the axe, it could be Jordan Matthews and Marquise Goodwin. Just just kind of let the younger guys come in and and uh, play with Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, if he does end up making the final fifty-three man roster with 
what he had in his first stint with Philadelphia uh, and all the targets that he was getting, he's definitely shown the potential that to be a a very legit receiver in the league and to be a fantasy relevant receiver in the league. He his first three years he had targets of 103, 126, and 117 while playing in all but two games. He didn't start all those games, but he played out of a possible 48 games. He played in 46 of them. And then um, he kind of fell off the last two years, uh, came here to Buffalo in 2017, and then he went back to Philly last year and really didn't have uh, any success the last two years. Uh, but those first three years with Philly the first time around, he he was a good receiver. Uh, 85 catches, 73 catches, and then 67 catches. Uh, his rookie year, he had a couple of times he had eight touchdowns each. Um, so I mean, he's he, he's got hands. Definitely showed that he can he can be a, a top receiver in this league, or at least a top fantasy receiver in this league. Um, a good wide receiver too. So it's just. It's just up to him to go balls out in camp and and make this team. And then if he ends up making the team and Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy all year, um, he he could have a really good season. Yeah, and I you know for a super sleeper, I mean, a thing you have to look at too is outside of their third round pick Jalen Hurd, who's six foot five, he's their biggest receiver on the team. He's six three. I mean, that's bigger than Goodwin, who's five nine. Um, Dante Pettis is 6'1", which, you know, in football, two inches means a lot. I mean, especially, you know, when it comes up, you want to throw contest, you know, contested catches. Every inch helps. And, you know, he's – out of all the veterans, he's the tallest receiver in that group. So that could play a little key part of him potentially making this roster. So, I mean, if he could somehow carve out a role, um, you know, th- there is a ton of uh, – ton of wide receivers over is that's going to be in that camp this year. So I think he's definitely someone to look out for. I mean, if Godwin gets released, I think that could um, definitely move his arrow up a little bit where he'll go from a super sleeper to just a sleeper in general. But yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, if he could be one of these guys that you just pick up the waiver wire after one mediocre game, and if you just personally, you see something and you decide to go out and grab him, I think, that could actually, you know, he could be a guy that is one of your bench pieces that helps you win a championship. Yeah, he's he's got to make the final roster, and if but if he makes the final roster, he can definitely be he could definitely be an asset not just to not just to the 49ers themselves, but um, in fantasy. I mean, if he's out there and Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy, I, I could see some good things there. Uh, anybody that after going through everybody's lists. And going through our own list and, and kind of talking today, is there anybody that you can kind of think of off the top of your head uh, that we may have forgot about or, or anything like that? No, I mean, I think we went over this list overall very well. I mean, uh, we're saving rookies for another day. I think a couple of those guys will do a lot better than anticipated because, you know, it's really hard to trust a rookie tight end or wide receiver or, and even running backs unless they're – Saquon Barkley, top five draft pick. But I think we, we basically – I think this is a good list for guys to build off of. Um, if you, we really wanted just to add in one more guy, Carson Wentz, a healthy Carson Wentz, uh, that's a, that's what the, the sleeper is because we've seen he hasn't been healthy over a full season yet. Um, but it's a sleeper thing because he – due to his injuries and stuff, I mean, you kind of – some people kind of sleep on him a little bit. 
I mean, I, he's still being drafted, you know, for sure. He's still being drafted um, in a comfortable position right now. I mean, I think that the, he could somewhat call him a sleeper because over 16 games, I think he could definitely challenge, um, you know, really to be that number three, four, five quarterback. So just a little something there, I guess. But outside of that, I think we, we know this really well. I think, you know, we gave the listeners good picks for all the positions, Uh you know, and granted, these are sleeper picks. So a lot of these guys might not pan out. That's not us. A lot of a lot of experts who has more expertise are going to get it wrong, just because that's what sleepers are for. They, a lot of them, more likely than not, they bust. But I mean, I, I'm going to definitely listen to this pod halfway through the season, after the season, to see uh, who nailed you know the right calls. Yeah, it's that was a great show. Um, we definitely had a lot of good picks there. Um, it's a shame that we did lose Eric and cause I'm sure he could have had a lot to say about the, the guys that the, that the rest of the guys were talking about here. So, but overall the, the show was great. Um, good picks there. Remember the contest was in the show. I'm not going to go over the, not going to go over the catchphrase again. You, you kind of had to listen to get that. So, um, go back and listen if you, if you need to get it so you could enter yourself to win that that uh, Le'Veon Bell signed 8 by 10 picture with certificate of authenticity. Uh, that's pretty important. Other than that, we got a lot of big things coming up on the podcast um, and just on the page in general, the Fantasy Football Fraternity on Facebook. Every every day we're getting closer to fantasy season, so uh, definitely something that check us out, listen to us, uh, check out the podcast, check out the page. We're, we're doing just – different things every day we got different polls going up we're putting together a online draft guide so basically and we touched on it last week but we're going to touch on it until until it's out and then even after that um it's basically a magazine that's online that you go buy in stores but instead it's going to be online and that way when player a gets cut off of his team you don't have an outdated magazine saying oh he's their wide receiver too but he's not there anymore it's it's going to be some good content. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to help you win your leagues. We got a lot of people going in on it and uh, putting together some rankings. We were actually going to go over a couple of rankings today, but we're running out of time. So that's going to be a different show. Um, any last words, Adam, before we hang up? Yeah, just definitely look, I'm looking forward to just finishing this draft guide. I mean, we've got somewhat deep into it and it's, we have a lot to do, but we've done a lot and it's been fun. I mean, just going back and forth. Um, Basically, everybody that wants in throughout our fantasy football fraternity group, um, they want to chime in. They chime in. Um, we take all of our lists and basically make a consensus. And then uh, when we do, like, uh, our bust list or our overachievers, underachievers, we all put a list of, like, five guys together and then just pick who we think should be in the top ten. And then it's a fun thing because there's so much knowledge. I mean, it's not just you and me or you, me, and Eric. We have numerous guys chiming in, which – the more people you, the more knowledge you have in a room, the more, the better it is. So, I mean, this is something that's going to be re- really well put together, something that is um, going to be huge. Like, like, like you said, the biggest thing that separates us from anybody else is it's updated. And it's going to be updated basically so close to the minute. As soon as we hear something, once this thing is officially published, it's going to be fixed. And a perfect example is Austin Safarian Jenkins getting cut from the Patriots because I'm sure a lot of magazines – had him as a sleeper and you know if a newbie looks and they you know they don't realize he's been cut they're gonna waste a draft pick that won't happen here you know you look if a guy's on a team it, he's gonna be on that team because we have him marked down in our book 
So something to definitely look forward to. Um, the contest is going to be um, – hopefully it's going to be huge so we can do more. And um, basically that's it till next week.